wake up, stand up, shake yourself up, dust yourself off and know that today it's this pandemic, today is the virus talking, 10 years later it will be something else. This is a phase and this will pass. What are you doing to survive this phase? Not just survive this phase, but come out a winner. Keep your finger on the pulse of the market. What is it that the market is asking for today in this situation that you can provide? Wow, wow, wow. If that hasn't woken you up and shaken you, then you have to listen to this episode with Varsha from VarshaJoshi.com. I am absolutely excited to have Varsha on this show. Varsha is a coach, a mastermind facilitator, an author, and a serial entrepreneur. She's built many successful businesses and has been featured on the likes of Entrepreneur.com. Varsha is an amazing coach who I have been working with for the past three years. I'm so glad and I'm so excited that she's on the episode today because there is so much to learn from her, especially if you're looking to grow and scale your business. So grab a book and a pen and start making notes because Varsha's mind is just a powerhouse of information. I hope you enjoy this episode. Please do leave me some feedback and tell me how this episode helped you. Let's get ready and let's cue the music. You're listening to the Elevated Entrepreneur Podcast, a podcast designed to help retailers, restaurateurs, and entrepreneurs simplify business operations and use modern technology to elevate their business. Here's your host, Darren Bhatia. Varsha, welcome to the Elevated Entrepreneur Podcast. It is so nice to have you on the show. Darren, thank you very much for having me. It's such a pleasure. It's an absolute treat and it is so lovely to see you and hear you and really get you to speak about the stuff that you and I have been talking for the last three years as your mentee. So thank you again for doing this. So I'd love for you to tell us about your background and introduce you to the audience a bit more. So maybe you could get started and tell us what is it that you do and what got you into this field? So my certification, if you will, started the day I was born. I was born into a business family. Both sides of my family, mom and dad's side, are all business owners. That's all we know as a family. We don't know how to hold a corporate job, but we absolutely know how to seek an opportunity, turn it into a business, and turn that into a success. So that's where the first interest and that's where this whole journey in business started. This is my third business. I have run and sold two businesses already. And several years ago, when I started my third business, this time in Dubai, I realized that there's been a little bit of a gap since my last business and this one. And I know things had changed a little bit. The world had moved on and I decided to actually hire a coach for myself. And I said, look, while I know what I'm doing, I also want somebody here to hold me accountable, to generally shine the light on the path that I'm walking on and guide me to keeping in the center of that path. That relationship, which still continues, by the way, has been one of the biggest takeaways for me. And I decided, look, I have benefited so much. I have actively sought help and I've benefited from this. And now it's my turn to give this back to the SME world at large. And that's when I picked up 
coaching as one of my lines. So there are one of the other things is while I was born in a full on business family, the family business was given to or rather my father was taken in as the heir to the business when he had absolutely no interest and no joy in running that business as a lot of indian families did in those days he didn't have a choice so he took it on as a result what happened was not so long into that journey he realized that he really isn't a business owner but one of the things that he did not do is seek help and as a result of that there was very little left of that business very soon he wasn't the greatest businessman in the world and it showed in the business so by the time i was 16 years old there was nothing left and my mom is one of the most entrepreneurial women i have ever come across and she still is my inspiration she took me under her wing and we started the first business and when i took up that coach for my own business actually good 10 years ago i decided that while this has helped me this is my way now to actually help somebody and save them from that failure that i had actually seen with my own eyes so that actually inspires me every day when i sit with a coachy when i sit with a mentee to say just hold my hand and we'll walk this path together and that's the way to success that is amazing thank you so much for sharing that you're right i've never heard this in our relationship and you're right i think as business owners you know we were never taught to be business owners i always say it to my wife shweta that if it was great if we would learn in school how we could be business owners because we make entrepreneurship this to be really easy oh let's have a startup it to be fun you know it's glorified in the media as having pool tables and having a party but it's so much more than that and what you just said that was really really key that almost every entrepreneur should have someone showing them the way and that makes a big difference in how that business is going to turn out and on that note i always say my best decision i have ever made was coaching with you it has changed me it has changed my business for the better and it is always a key bit of advice that almost all entrepreneurs should ask for help and there's no shame in it so on that note when you talk about entrepreneurship the entrepreneurial mindset is there something that people should be aware of entrepreneurial mindset to me is not just related to business you may not be running a business and you can be entrepreneurial to me an entrepreneur is somebody who sees an opportunity who grabs that opportunity works towards knowing everything that there is in that opportunity and makes the best of it right now i think in the world over half the world who is saying these are actually great times is an entrepreneur to me because they're seeing something in these adverse times as well and just making the most of the situation seeing an opportunity make the best of it that to me is the core of an entrepreneurial mindset and when you talk about mindset as an entrepreneur is there are times where i personally have started to doubt myself and i've started to get into this frame of oh maybe i'm not very good at it is that also a part of that mindset in addition to what you just said about finding an opportunity that's particular incident that you talk about is i think just a human thing that 
not so much an entrepreneurial thing. We are all entrepreneurs and at the same time, we are all humans. So some days we actually begin to doubt ourselves. When things are not going 100% according to plan, the first thought in our head is, well, maybe I'm not cut out for this. And that's probably the time that you need a good shake up and say, you have chosen this for a reason. Think of why you started this in the first place. There is no such thing as free lunch. It takes hard work. It takes persistence. It takes resilience. And in that journey, it's okay to sometimes feel, oh my goodness, what have I started? And it's perfectly okay then to say, right, I'm done with that little cry. I'm not going to stand up and carry on. So those are two very different things. Bear that in mind, always. Yeah. And, you know, one thing I've heard you say is, is there's no angel coming to save you. It's really you that needs to do it for yourself. And like you said, pick yourself up. Uh, things happen. Failures happen. And it's okay to cry about it, but not for long and not let it fester. Something that I learned from my mom, and she always says this, she still says this, never, ever be afraid to start from scratch. If you're not afraid of failure, then you're not afraid of anything, really. On that note, I want to ask you, what are the other factors for success in business? the top three golden rules that an entrepreneur should always keep in his mind, apart from the ones that we just talked about? Mm -hmm. Know that when you begin to grow, there is only so much you will grow if you keep the business to yourself. What I mean by that is there's something that I usually talk to my coaches about is when entrepreneurs start their business, it usually is all about them. That business becomes their baby and the more that situation continues the more you are prohibiting or inhibiting that business from growing so remember that to really turn this into a business know that it's going to only grow as much as you allow it to grow so when you bring people in bring them in delegate properly and allow them to grow your business with you Holding back and thinking, well, I'm the only one who would take a decision. I'm the only one who knows how to do this right, is you're actually writing the end date of that business. So remember that when you bring in people, allow them to grow the business with you. So important. Having the right people on that journey with you, so very important. Very much so. And I think also without the right people, a business owner is really going to be stuck doing everything that he can and not think about the bigger part of that business, which is the strategizing and the big picture view, right? Because it keeps you away from that. And there's a really good book that you had recommended that I read when we started our engagement three years ago is the E-Myth, the Entrepreneurial Myth. It is such a good book. And I wanted to draw your attention there because I think that book talks about just what you just said, have the positive mindset, stop crying and hire the right people. Hire the right people. Very much so. Thank you for talking about that book. I love that book. And what I love about that book and what I realized one thing from there, as that book talks about Sarah being the greatest pie maker, you may be the greatest architect in the world, for example. You may create the greatest buildings in the world. And at some point you think, well, why am I working for someone else? Let me go and start my own business. Not really realizing that Doing what you do best as a profession is very, very different from running a business. 
knowing that when you start a business, you have literally created an entire entity and the entity's requirements are very different from your personal requirements. Recognize that, bring that separation and allow that to grow by giving it what it needs. And many times that architect goes and starts a business, no offense to any architects out there in the world, this is just an example you go out and start a business and then realizes that there is very little time to actually build the other buildings because the business is taking away a lot of time. I'll refer to the book in the show notes as well if somebody wants to read them, but it talks about these three ideas that there is the technician, then there is the entrepreneur, and these two roles are very different, which is what you were just alluding to. That's a phenomenal book. And then initially, maybe the entrepreneur is all three of them, but over time, as you said, if you bring on the right people, you become that entrepreneur. And also remember that when you even begin to talk about bringing in the right people, also remember to make a plan and see who do you actually need. So what are the different roles that your business needs to fulfill? So start from there would be my advice as well. I want to hear from you about maybe some of the failures that you've had and how you've overcome them in the three businesses that you've run. What did you do in terms of adversity? So... One of the first things that comes to mind in the most recent business, which is the outsourcing business. So this was started 10 years ago during the previous downturn when the world was crashing all about us. And I saw an opportunity and I thought, well, okay, this is fantastic. There are small businesses coming up and they should surely need administrative assistance. So I started the business for them. And in about a year or so, maybe I actually stretched it to about two years. We got a lot of clients. We got a lot of exposure and we were doing well. And there's the key. The doing well was a deceptive thing. We had a lot of clients. But my biggest mistake at that time was not realizing that the whole service, the whole business model is aimed at small businesses who actually don't have money to pay me to pay my business for the services. So while I had lots of clients, I wasn't actually making money to the point where I thought, well, if I continue like this, I'm going to have to close. So pretty much times like these, there were. And I thought, this is not right because I know there's an opportunity. I know there is something more to this. What am I doing wrong? So it took a good month or so to literally just sit down take a break from the business and say, no, what am I doing wrong? If those people don't have money to pay for the service, which is obviously doing them good in their business, is helping them in their business. So who else has that money? And where else can this service be applicable? That's when we turned, we basically switched our target market and we haven't looked back since then. So if I hadn't sat back and really given it a thought to say, well, yes, I've now started this business, but it's going nowhere. It's actually doesn't look like it's going to last very long. If I don't make a shift over here, we wouldn't be here talking about this. And also all that came through conversations with the coach as well, even then. Right. And I think what you've just said, there has so much to it. And I want to break it up a little bit. So the first thing that you said was, you started a business, it was an idea, it was in the midst of a downturn, and you had an idea of a customer. But then you realized that this was not your ideal customer, this is not the customer that has the money for it. And that bit itself is so important, knowing who your ideal customer is. There is no business where the entire market 
is going to be your customer base. There's a slice of that market. And so when you said that, that's what I got right away, that every business should know who its ideal customer is. And then the second thing you also said was finding the right product market fit. So you had the product, you had to find the market. Now you have to make the product work for that market. And in your case, it had to work for bigger SMEs and bigger enterprises than for the small business. So two really key things that you talked about. That's phenomenal. Yeah, and something else that I realized at that stage. So outsourcing secretarial services, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Virtual assistants. And the virtual assistant industry globally is directed towards the very small business owner, towards the solopreneur. So that's the other myth if you will, was shattered in my head that day. The minute we start thinking, well, this is what my industry does, so this is what I should be doing as well, actually led me to near failure at that time. So there is no such thing as I should do as my industry dictates. Yeah, and that is so key as well, right? You want to be able to explore boundaries, push your own boundaries, your own mind boundaries. And like you said, that it shattered your mind and i think in our mind we have these things that i learned from you called self-limiting beliefs and again what you just said there is part of that it's an example of a self-limiting belief i should do what my peers are doing yeah so at which point do we actually sit back and say well actually i don't care what my industry is doing i want to be the leader of the industry i actually want to set the path for the i want to set the precedence for my industry and really go ahead and do it so what if you fail what if you find success? How wonderful that is. Exactly. And so one of the things that is coming out of this discussion is this idea of an entrepreneur being a leader. And everything that we've talked about so far is pushing us in this idea that it's the leader that makes the right decisions and it's the leader that has to think about all of these things. So in your mind or in your experience, what is a good leader? My favorite subject, then. So what is a good leader? Who is a good leader? And I want to softly challenge what you said just now, that what's the accepted norm is the leader makes all the decisions. And I want to challenge that to say, when you hire great people, allow them to show their greatness in your company. If you're the one who's making all the decisions, you're leading no one because they're not following you. You are a leader only when you have a follower and a Someone will follow you only when you inspire them, only when you let them be who they are, only when you respect them for what they bring to the table. So a good leader is a good leader only when their team is happy, their team is inspired. A good leader and their role as a good leader is only to keep their team happy and inspired. That's it. Let your team do everything because that's what they are there for. When you say that, I think a lot of business owners are thinking, well, I can't let my team make the big financial decisions and I can't let them make the big strategy decisions. Anything that you'd like to share on that? Absolutely. So fair enough. You can't let your team take financial decisions or your strategy decisions. What they can do or what you can do as a leader is actually involve them in that decision. Eventually, you definitely can be the voice of vote at the same time at least you're hearing what someone else is saying. You're getting a multidimensional view. You're getting a different perspective because you are, as a founder, usually too close to the situation. And there is every person in this company, in your company, individual companies, who 
has a different view of the company, has a different view of the leadership, has a different view on the market, the same market that you think is one thing, ask your frontline people, they may actually come back with a whole another perspective. So the point is not so much give away the decision power. The point is they are involved in the decision making. Because only when they are involved in something, they are engaged in something, will they happily roll up their sleeves and say, you know what? Yeah, let's do this. And that's when they will support you. That's when they will look at you as a good leader because you make them feel important. Yeah. One of the things that comes to my mind, I heard this just recently. It's a phrase that says, saying no is lazy. And why I want to bring that up in this conversation is because if as a leader, I don't listen to my people or I keep saying no, like you said, there is never this extra work that we're doing to figure out a solution. Well, that's not a good idea. That's not something that I want to do because I'm the leader. Saying no can be very powerful, but it's also very lazy at the same time because we're not working to figure out a solution with the team, as you mentioned. Yeah. Team engagement before client engagement. Yeah. And there's the other thing you say, right? Treat your employees just the way you like to treat your clients because they will treat your clients the same way. Absolutely. Keep your team happy and your clients will never, ever have a reason to complain. I think it takes time to get there. But if you have this in your mind that your team is as important as your customer, one of the things I also learned in the last few months is customer experience is equal to employee experience. If the employee is happy, as you were saying, then the customer is also happy. On that note, Diren, I want to talk about another book that I had referred and we work on actively is The Scaling Up. So based on the four decisions, The Scaling Up book by Vern Hanisch is, is it must always be every entrepreneur's bedside reading and active action-taking reading. And one of the exercises in that is ensuring that you get your client's NPS score and even more so, there is something called an ENPS score, which is your employee's NPS. So how does your employee rate you and your business as a place to work? So it is very, very key component of that entire team and your people side of the business. I'm so glad that you brought that book up. It was a book that you and I had discussed when I started being your mentee. Do you think that these surveys or this ENPS has to be a very technical and complex survey? What would it look like for an entrepreneur who wanted to do something like this? Again, like Vern says, three questions. Just ask them three questions. What should we stop doing? What should we start doing? And what should we continue doing? That's it. It doesn't need to be a 360 project-driven survey. It's nothing so big. Keep it simple. The more simple it is, the better answers you will get, the quicker answers you will get. And they feel involved. I think if you were to ask an employee all these questions, I think they will feel a lot more involved in that whole discussion. You bet they will. And they do. Because how many times do you go out in the big corporate world, our employees or the team actually ask these questions? Very rarely. So I want to ask you on the topic of books, and I know that you read a lot of books. So we've talked about two books, and I think we should give one more book that every entrepreneur should read. What is that one book that you would recommend? Mandatory reading. There are two, actually. One is self-help, and the second one is very much a business book. The self-help is Think and Grow Rich. That is your original secret book. That's your original mindset book. That's your original everything book. It 
talks a great deal about self-belief. It talks a great deal about belief in yourself. It talks a great deal about having the belief and the dream. And also, importantly, it talks about having a plan. And that, I think, needs to be the starting point of all the books that you might read later in terms of business. That would be my starting book. And the other book is Good to Great. I think it is one of the greatest success books that I have read. And whether you are starting off or whether you're an established entrepreneur, whether you are an established SME who is now breaking through into the midsize or the large industry market, that is one book that will give you insights like you've never had before and great plans with people management as well. So I would highly recommend these books to be on your reading list always. Even if you've read the book, reread it. It's like peeling onion layers. You can continue reading different books. Keep coming back to these books because every time you open a page, you will take something away. Action worthy. Actually, it's funny you mentioned that book. I'm actually reading that book as we speak. In that book, there's this conversation about uh, five stages of the leader. And I think what we have just talked about in the last 30 minutes really alludes to all of that. And I'm so glad that you brought that book up. Yeah. What is your takeaway from that book so far? For me, it's this conversation that we're having. What is a leader and what makes you a good leader? There was this phrase in the book, which is the mirror and the window. A good leader always looks out of the window when he's happy about something and because he's praising the team. And he's looking in the mirror when he's introspecting and probably wants to do something better. And there are examples of leaders who do the opposite. They look in the mirror when they're happy and they're proud because they take all the credit. And they look out the mirror when they're not happy because they blame their team. So I think that for me was the biggest takeaway, the mirror and the window. I'm glad you mentioned that. It's become such a big takeaway in the entrepreneurial world. It is so beautifully articulated. So thanks for reminding me about that. Yeah, good one. Since we're talking about reading, I want to ask you, what is the biggest investment you've made with your time and money? Having a coach, having a peer support network, and training my team. While they may or may not be expensive, because I think expensive is a relative term, Diren. There are certain business expenses that need to happen. And to me, it's more an investment, And when it's an investment, when you know there's a return coming from it, then it's not about it being expensive. It's about something that you're putting in to reap the harvest when it starts showing the results. So I wouldn't call them expensive. I would call them fertilizing the soil that I planted the seed in. Because this will pay you back manifold. You bet. And there are some skills that you always take away with you. The minute you have a coach, You're not just going through the business. You are changing yourself as a leader. And today you're running Cloudscape. Tomorrow you may be running a business to sell this pen. It doesn't matter. You have gained transferable skills as a leader, as an entrepreneur, as a business owner. Somebody who's made a success once knows how to replicate it. So expensive doesn't even feature in that sentence. It's an investment. And I'm so glad that you brought those three things up. I think those are the very key fundamentals that a business owner should be looking into. Training your team is a big one. One of the things I remember that you talked about is about being a capitalist. So as an entrepreneur, we have to be this idea 
of looking for opportunity. Like you just said, I'm doing Cloudscape today. I could be selling pens tomorrow. And it's not because I like selling pens. It's just that I'm a capitalist. I see an opportunity. This is something you said at the beginning of the conversation. It's find the opportunity and get into it. While we're talking about this, I also want to touch on something else there. And there's a much used word in that startup world. When you start your business, my advice would be to bring the passion into running the business. So let me go back to that architect. That architect whose passion in life is to build buildings keeps the passion for building buildings even when he is now or she is now building a business. Unless there is passion for running the business itself, not about the product, unless that passion is transferred to actually running the business, knowing the intricacies of running a business, knowing what makes a business tick, knowing your own limitations and knowing when is the right time to expand. Bringing the passion into running a business is key to that entrepreneur's success. It is. You're right. And I think it's not about being an architect. It's about running that business. Yes. It's about running a business. Again, that's why I said once you know how to run a business and once you have turned something into a success, and again, I don't mean your typical tech startup who is into bringing up the product and exiting it. That's not what I mean. I mean actually building a business, building an organization with people, a process-driven organization, something that whether you sell or whether you run it, and whether you pass it down to the next generation, whichever, you are actually leaving a very strong legacy. So when you know you're building something like that, then that's when I feel you would have grasped the true meaning of running a business. So again, today's Cloudscape. Tomorrow, you could be selling this pen. You will excel because you now know what to do, how to build that machine in the background to sell this pen. Absolutely. So always be a capitalist and always learn to construct this idea of a business, not just be the architect and construct buildings, but construct a successful business that becomes a legacy. Very powerful. Thank you for sharing that. We've gone over time a little bit, but I want to ask you a few more questions. So we're going to start moving towards wrap up. Obviously, this particular pandemic, it is what it is, and it has changed a lot of things for a lot of businesses. What is something that an entrepreneur should be thinking during these times? Be agile. Wake up, stand up, shake yourself up, dust yourself off, and know that today it's this pandemic, today is the virus talking. Ten years later, it'll be something else. The world coming crashing down about us is a cyclic thing. It's happened before, it's going to happen again. So the key to remember is that this is a phase and this will pass. What are you doing to survive this phase? Not just survive this phase, but come out a winner. Keep your eye open. Keep your finger on the pulse of the market. What is it that the market is asking for today in this situation that you can provide? Only when the market is willing to dip its hand in its pocket and pay you, will you make money. So if you are not moving, if you're not being agile to meet the market today, you're going to be standing on the tarmac when the flight takes off eventually. Rise up, look up, the sun is still shining. And even during the Great Depression, 
we hear horror stories about 25% of the world's population lost their jobs. Because again, we like to hear shock and horror stories. And the flip side of that is 75% were still working. 75% were still earning. Whatever it is, the life still continued. And it's the same even today. There are tons of businesses which are actually looking up. And how are they doing it? Grabbing an opportunity. Keep your eyes open. Grab an opportunity. And something that I heard in one of the interviews that was played back by the head of WHO during the Ebola virus, he said, speed over perfection. It is always speed over perfection. When things are moving so fast around you, the world is changing by the hour. If you're not changing with it, you are already left behind. Absolutely. And you've answered my next question. I was going to ask you, when you feel overwhelmed, you feel unfocused, because it's common to see that sort of reaction. You've talked about what can happen. What should an entrepreneur do? In these current times, it is a challenge to see how big is that staircase or how big is that ladder that you're looking to climb. So focus just on the next five steps. As long as you can see the next five steps keep climbing. Don't worry about what the next two years is going to bring. Just think about what the next few steps are and how you can keep moving inch by inch, inch by inch. And very soon, you know, you're moving several feet at a time. Set short, achievable goals. Very soon, you know, you are actually moving very quickly down that path. So true. I think it's very easy to get inundated and overwhelmed by the magnitude of something. But like you said, if you can see the next five steps, keep at it. You'll get to the bigger picture. One more last question about advice. And I think this is a very interesting way to put it. What is that one advice that you would write on a billboard for entrepreneurs to read constantly? Can I make it two? Absolutely, you can. (laughs) The first one is to give yourself some CEO thinking time, whether it is every other day every day or at least once a week. Set aside an hour to sit down and work on your business. There is no operational issues that you will take on. So one hour of CEO's thinking time every week. And the second, something that Vern again, and I refer a lot to Vern as a Gazelle certified coach. I have learned a lot. And one of the things that he always, always says is that routine sets you free. Have a routine, because when you have a routine, you know you don't have to worry about anything else. When you know you're a routine, you follow a routine, things get done. The less routine you have, the less haphazard your day looks, you get to the end of the day knowing that you were busy, but you didn't actually achieve anything. So remember, see your thinking time, and remember that routine sets you free. Absolutely. It brings me back to one of the first exercises that you and I had done is we had opened my calendar and we had put in time once a week called the CEO and founder time. And it has changed the way I run my business. I look forward to that time every week where I get to think about what's new, what's next, keeping a finger on the pulse, all of those things that a CEO and founder should be thinking about, but he can't because he or she can't because he or she's busy doing other things in that business, including selling. Yeah, because we get so inundated by the operational issues in our business that we rarely actually sit down and say, right, you know what, hold on. I am the founder or I am the CEO. I need to be looking 
over the next 12 to 24 months, am I doing that successfully right now? And if you're not, it's time for CEO's thinking time. Absolutely, 100%. I want to ask you to wrap up, where can people find you? What's the best way for them to reach you at? Find me on LinkedIn, Varsha Joshi, and find me on Instagram as well. Connect, ask any question that you might have, and I'll be very happy to answer. Awesome, Varsha. Thank you so much for being on the show and for sharing such amazing things that I feel I've taken a lot out of, and I know the listeners will do as well. So thank you so much. Thank you, Dharan, for having me. This was a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for staying with me till the very end of the episode. You've done it. I've got three specific asks for you. Only if you think that this podcast is worthy of your support and if you've enjoyed the content. My first request is for you to hit the subscribe button. Actually smash that subscribe button so that you can get notified when new episodes come your way. Or if you haven't already, head on over to elevatedentrepreneur.fm and subscribe to the podcast on the website so that new episodes are emailed to you right away. My second request is for you to help me spread the word with your friends and families and business owners that would enjoy this podcast and help elevate them too. You can do that either by leaving a review on your Apple device or just telling your friends how cool this podcast is. And finally, if there's a question that you've been dying to ask me or if there's pieces of feedback that you'd like to give me, head on over to elevatedentrepreneur.fm slash speak where you'll be able to record a voice message that I can listen to and also maybe feature here on the podcast together with my answer. I'd love to hear from you. Thank you. Much love. And I'll see you in the next one.